This program is for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or a recommendation that any particular investor should purchase or sell any particular security. All expressions of opinions are subject to change without notice and are those of the on-air cast of the Stock Doctor's Prescription and not necessarily those of International Assets Advisory, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investments mentioned on this program may not be suitable for all investors. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. All information presented about tax considerations affecting client financial transactions or arrangements is not intended as tax advice and should not be relied on for the purpose of avoiding any tax penalty. You should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional before entering into any trade or transaction. Paging Dr. Seiler. Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use the Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to the Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional dad jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescription starts now. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN, 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. I am a million-dollar Bill Keevan, along with Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, and this just in, along with the man, the myth, the legend himself. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Stock Doctor. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, a lot of things to go over, and we're going to start with taking a look at what's gone on in the market since the last time we got to speak to the fine folks of Phoenix. Yes, and you know what? The markets continue to have a pretty good April, which usually has a pretty good April, and in fact, we talked about this before the show, but April is the second best performing month for stocks. Historically. Historically. Now, what's really interesting is that the month of April has not had a down year since 2012. So that bodes well, but it also coincides with that sell and may and go away, which doesn't always work out. But, uh, you know, I have done that in the past. Eh, let me lighten up a little bit in May. And then, of course, the markets just start ripping. But, uh, you yeah, know, I'm trying to remember the year where you didn't come to work for three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. No, no, no. no, no not a long vacation or anything. No. Okay. Uh, but the markets last week had a pretty good week. The Dow, uh, that was up barely, though, two-tenths of 1%. What really moved things were the NASDAQ. And we saw a broad-based rally. The NASDAQ was up 2.6% last week. The S&P up 1.1%. The Russell up one4 It seems like the shift to growth again, That's hence the NASDAQ stocks, started really outperforming. And the Dow, which are more on the value side, weren't performing as well. But it really was truly a broad-based rally. Finally saw the famous acronym, the FANG stocks, or actually the FONG stocks, if you add Apple in there. They all had pretty good weeks. Uh, semis rally, the reopen stocks, the travel stocks, uh, consumer discretionary. I mean, it really was a, a fairly strong across-the-board uh, rally for stocks, except for energy, which had started the year as one of the top performers, actually the top performer, Justin. Yeah. Well, there was only one place for energy to go after last year. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, they were they were paying you to go and pick up oil and take it away. <laughs> I like to think of this as the all-in economy, and I think of the uh, Jeopardy contesting. The all-in economy. Yeah, because it seems that stay-at-home stocks, 
rocking. The reopening trades, rocking. Defensive sectors, healthcare. Speaking of Jeopardy, how did Aaron Rodgers do hosting? Actually, was it was he bad? He's not bad. No, not okay. Bad. I, he's. Yeah, I heard he said he loves Jeopardy. He's a questions. he's a Jeopardy geek. I didn't know that he was the host. I he, thought it was still Doctor Oz. Well, no, he did a guest. I guess he did a one. Is it one day or is it well, a week? Here's the thing. This I got to catch up on my Jeopardy. DVR. They record five shows a day. Okay. So when you do so he's it, doing a week. you do two days and you do two weeks. That's what you do. That's how they make. So the you're show. there for two days, but that's two weeks worth of show. It's two weeks worth of okay. shows. Okay. Absolutely right. Five okay. outfit changes. You're, a contestant, you're supposed to bring three changes of clothes. <laughs> so look, uh, you know, we're not cresking here. We don't know what the market's going to do today. But yesterday, the Dow was down 96 points. It closed at 33,430. The NASDAQ was also down seven at 13,698. The S&P 500 was down four, 500 was down four at 4,073. And there is some skepticism out there. You're starting to see some kind of sell signal guys and some cautiousness uh deutsche bank economist slash analyst binky chadha binky he's stretching it right now he sees a six to ten percent correction over the next three months considering there are probably two to three five percent corrections on an annual basis and a ten percent correction every 15 months or so i think it's a little bit of a stretch it's a safe bet it's it's a pretty safe bet but you know a lot of things got going with the of course uh, April Fool's Day, we had the jobs number, which were just off the charts. I mean, they absolutely beat the crap out of uh, analyst expectations. Wait, April Fool's was Thursday. Friday. Good Friday. Good April Friday. 2nd. I'm sorry. Good Friday. So it was April 2nd, but good Friday. April Fool's, it was good Friday. It was good Friday. <laughs> Non-farm payrolls came in at up 916,000, and the unemployment rate dropped to 6%, and the uh, expectation was 675,000. That's unbelievable. Total payrolls still 8.4 million short in comparison yep. to the, the BC times. Yeah. And, you know, the, we did, did see a lot of jobs coming back to the restaurant and uh, the bar industry. 176,000 jobs were added there. You had entertainment and recreation, 64,000 jobs there, but still significantly lower than it was uh, pre-pandemic. But um, again, you got you to gotta look at what's going on around the economy. You're seeing really good growth in most sectors. I mean, manufacturing, the highest level in 37 years. Wow. Manufa- that's unbelievable. The ISM number is the highest level in 37 years. And this is one of the reasons why Binky Chadha thinks there'll be a, a 6 to 10% correction over the next three months. He says that typically ISM peaks one year after the recession ends. So by listening to that, that's telling me he believes that a year ago, over the next three months, the recession ended. Okay. I know. It's kind of hard to believe. But so yes. he's, say, he's saying the recession ended sometime May, June, July a, of last we, year. We had a few-week recession last year at the beginning of the pandemic. We did. We did. We did. And, you know, you know, remember the title of last week's show. Well, not title, but we had a, a big story on the... Once in a decade margin call, yeah. Justin. You <laughs> talked about that one, yeah. And uh, Arkegos, which is a hedge fund, which uh, your boy Bill Wong, Bill Wong yeah, Wang. Are you using uh, the present tense for this hedge fund? <laughs> <laughs> this family, this family hedge fund. Yeah, but this, but this now the like carnage. The, yeah. There's carnage after. We kind of knew that that uh, Credit Suisse was in trouble with this one. Far and wide, Credit Suisse. Yeah, they've had better days. They've had better weeks. They uh, cut their dividend now. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's what happens when you take a four point seven four point seven billion. billion. This is something that often causes the people that are my my 
my cohorts here sitting around my dais, they always roll their eyes when I talk about the difference between a million and a billion. This is something that is lost on a lot of people, but a billion, a billion, let's say, for instance, seconds. How long is a billion seconds, Nikki Ward? 37 years. 30-something years. I think it was 33. That's pretty amazing. A, a million seconds is, is about a week and a half. So a million seconds. A million seconds is about a week and a half. A billion seconds wow. is 30-something years. And, you know, Credit Suisse just suffered a $4.7 billion loss. There, there's some carnage. There are, are job losses. They cut their dividend. Well, didn't you say, I think you said after the fact that, or maybe Jared said it, the fiscal therapist, that Bill Wong had the biggest law, individual loss of net worth in, in history or something? I think, that that, I think that that was speculated by many last week. Nobody's 100% sure that it was the largest loss by a single you know, individual because this was a family office. Right. So I don't know. But yeah, huge. And at one point, Credit Suisse made mention to the fact that they were going to allow shareholders to vote on executive bonuses. <laughs> and then they said, uh, not so good. and then they said, yeah, we were just kidding. No, no bonuses this year. So way, that's, April that's Fools. done. Yeah. April <laughs> Fools. It must've been April 1st when they mentioned that. So that's not happening either. Well, when you think about what the market's been through, I mean, really, I look at, it's been extremely good behavior mm-hmm. because what we've seen over the past 10 weeks, we saw the GameStop meme stocks, you know, really speculative, frothy action out there. You had a a 30% drop in one of the most um, sought-after ETF companies or sponsors out there, the ARC funds, dropping 30%, and, and they were getting tons and billions and billions of dollars of inflows until this year. Uh, but then they had to deal with a lot of liquidations. You had the once-in-a-decade um, margin call. You had the SPAC craze. You had a, a extremely sharp correction. I mean, we have had a quick correction in the NASDAQ and technology stocks about nine, 10% right before when March really, end of February and March started getting going. But despite all that, the biggest dip in the S&P 500 has been 5%. And it turns out that buying the dip was probably a smart thing to do. But you call that good behavior? No, I'm saying that the market's at all-time highs. That's good behavior. Ah, I if, see what if you, you are Not on the, the retail trader's side. No, if you're with, if you're, the market's hanging in there despite all of this nonsense going around. And look, valuations are, are near highs. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll also talk about some sectors that I think are going to do well despite what the market does. Um, you know, is this a year? Is this going to be like the past two post-election years. We'll talk about that. We have an interesting story that uh, the fiscal therapist is going to talk about in the next segment. And I think it's hilarious, actually. It is. Hilarious. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's hilarious. It's I'm not, I don't pick on Robin Hood. It's not a necessarily it's not a Robin Hood trader. You got in this trouble. However, there are, I'm sure, several Robin Hood traders. There's a thing out there, a new, a new thing in your in your tax laws called the uh, the wash rule. Wash rule. Yeah, I don't know if you heard it, Bill. Have you? Uh... I, I have heard. I'm familiar with the wash rule. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, obviously, uh, some Robin Hood traders and TD Ameritrade traders aren't. No, not as not as familiar as they could be. No. No. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the story about uh, DIY traders because I'm a huge fan of uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. So. <laughs> Same. Uh, I can't walk past Magnolia Homes at Target and not buy something. <laughs> so, so I'm reasonably sure they will come up during the story when we come back with more of the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio KFNN 
1510 AM, 105.3 FM. And hey, you want to give us your feedback? Send us an email. Feedback at stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio KFNN 1510 AM. 105.3 FM. I am a million dollar Bill Keevan along with the stock doctor, Nikki hey. Ward, the megalennial, and joining us for this segment, Jared Bocart, the fiscal therapist. Good to have you with us, Jared. Appreciate you having me. Hello, Jared. Uh, I want to talk uh, first Hello, in just a minute. Uh, Jared's got a story <laughs> about uh, a DIY trader that may have. Not eh. read all the fine print. Eh. Think, of, think of trying to do your own home plumbing without <laughs> having any knowledge of being a plumber. I think this guy's probably going to file an extension, but we'll, we'll hear <laughs> on that in a little bit. Maybe but, like a 50-year extension. But, oh, wow. But uh, first, though, we want to talk about the fact that, that this is yet another post-election year. Yep. They come up uh, how frequently again? Uh, Too often. Uh, every four. <clears throat> so look, uh, it, and this is setting up kind of like 2013 and 2017 where, where they're post-election years. Volatility has fallen. It's not a lot of volatility this year, but stocks continue to power higher. And this is despite bond yields jumping from historic lows. But, but isn't – I used to – used to be a, a trader and to use some option strategies. Oh, you that, did a lot of option strategies. traded yeah. on volatility. And the thing that makes volatility happen is uncertainty. And one of the things about the first year of an election cycle is right now we know what the president wants to do. We got a pretty clear picture of what the legislature wants to do in regards to what the president wants to do. So there's not as much uncertainty right. vaccines are takes, getting out there so yeah, it, it, and, and talking about the vaccine thing we're doing so much better on this than i thought we could have possibly done for something which is being run by the government <laughs> I, I you mean, know what it's been extremely efficient I, I took my father-in-law to a big area a big place like a mall where they did it it was very efficient i got mine at a grocery store which was uh, i was uh, in and out in 20 minutes fantastic i i actually um the uh, the mini golf place has a bunch of really mini short golf guys place? with blow darts, and you just take your chances as you go by. On Some places have been very good about it. Other places, not so much. But you know, but the markets are. There's no doubt. You cannot say that we're not at a little bit high valuations. We certainly are, and there are there are pockets of of areas of the market that aren't as highly valued. Even some of the healthcare stuff is still doing okay. But for the most part, things are at 21 year highs as far as valuation, especially when you have a 10 year treasury that is around 1.7, it's a little below it now, kind of fell below that uh, yesterday. But it's a big difference than we were a year ago. At 50 basis points, there's a, there's a that's a, a big spread there. But, but again, it, it's that volatility question. It's that uncertainty question. And when you go yeah. into election, I, I think that's yeah. a big portion of the investing population, which take their money out when they don't know what's going to happen. 
And now that they know what's going to happen, now they feel more comfortable bringing their money back look, in. The worst possible like strategy you can oh, ever. Nikki and I just look at each other. <laughs> just our, like, oh no. Our clients ask all the time, "What do you think this is? Your, what do you think the market's going to do this year?" Nobody can tell you what you think the market's going to do this year. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that we combine fundamentals and technicals. If the economy's doing okay, which the economy is gaining strength, our, our rates and a steep incline they are. But I think that's going to be. You know, you may be capped out by the end of the year, 2% on 10-year treasury. But again, when we are managing our clients' money, which is what we do mm-hmm. at Siler Wealth Management, by the way, uh, we are taking into consideration how much risk they're willing to take. Because if you are not willing to see your portfolio, like we saw March of 2020, drop 30%, then you have no business being in the full-bore stock market. You need to have more diverse portfolio, which includes fixed income. But... The traditional 60-40 portfolio, I don't believe is going to work now. And, and I'll get into that later. But, I mean, it's just not going to work. And it's because of the bond situation. Well, one of the things that as I'm getting older, I can more understand the conversations that we've had with people over the years where they say, oh, you know, I, I really can't sleep at night. Right. If I think my money's not all going to be there tomorrow. Exactly. If it's not all going to be there, that that's the kind of thing. Yeah, they get the same return about. nowadays. There's... 10 or 20 years ago, uh, you you need to take a lot more um, risk, essentially. Well, speaking of money not being there, oh, there was a story out last money week. Being there. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's been, you know, you, you found the story on Thursday and it's been well documented over the weekend. But there was a, a story about, you know, that obviously Robinhood has really introduced trading and investing to a lot of the younger type people out there that are, because you can buy fractional shares, you can, you can invest $100, you can, that's as little, I think, as $25. I don't know. But anyway, um, there are rules, though. When you're trading in a taxable account and you're trading a lot, there are things that maybe can trigger some yeah, can trigger some tax consequences. Jared, tell us a story. Uh, unbelievable story, by the way. It's, it's actually insane. Um, so this, I call him a poor guy. Uh, Lee, I don't think you agreed with this. Poor <laughs> in the sense, that, I mean, well, he might physically be poor, yeah, but in the sense that now, you feel for like him in the position that he's badly. in. I think he's a moron. <laughs> so they, yeah. All right, let's explain what the guy okay, did. Okay, so this guy opened a brokerage account with TD Ameritrade. He started out with $30,000. Um, I still don't know how he did this. He made $45 million worth of trades over the course of last year, probably starting in March. Probably, yeah. Uh, because he wasn't probably doing this in January. So probably starting at the end of March. And he made a total net profit of $45,000. That seems good, right? I, I mean, he made 45000 from 30000 You're, you're up think, quite a bit. I think he churned himself. He did, <laughs> churn, he did. He did churn himself. The SEC is going to be looking into that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so for the, that $45 for, million dollars in trades, he got a <laughs> he got a nice little letter from the IRS. Uh, $1.4 million in capital gains and owes $800,000. Yeah. That is $800,000 in taxes this past year. And this is a kid who makes 60000 a year. As an insurance broker. Yeah. Well, at, plus he made $45,000. So, <laughs> this would keep me up at night. So, Bill, here, here's what happened. Is that so, the, he was trade. They didn't, they didn't know. A lot, I'm saying they because a lot of people have done it, I'm right. sure. They were trading the same stocks in and out. So let's say you bought GameStock. You made good money. Let's say you let's say just I'm gonna use easy numbers. You bought it at 20, you sold it at 30. Great, it made 10 points. Then it ran up higher. Okay, I bought it at 50. Oh, it dropped to 35. I'm gonna sell it. And then uh, he didn't wait 30 days, he buys it back. You can't book right. that prop that that loss. Right. 
you got to wait. You, can't you can book the, the profit. You're going to book the profit in a in a short term capital gains. But he didn't get any of those wash sale losses. And there had to have been a tremendous number of them. He was on <laughs> leverage. He was doing. He was do, executing multiple trades that added up to between two hundred thousand and some as high as two million dollars a day. Days. Well, how many that trades a day? How many trades a day? Like hundreds of trades a day? I think it ended up being at least like averaged out over the course of the year, like twenty in the twenties. But that's like including like three weekends, months where he like, didn't like, trade, yeah, and <laughs> weekends, and yeah, the three months he didn't trade and weekends. Wow. It, it was insane. So looking he, at it from a from the financial planning aspect, and it's just like speaking of financial planning, I want to give a shout out to Nikki Ward for acing one of her CFP exams yesterday. Nice. So I have to tell you though, it's um. It's incredible that this happens. And now I'm reading, and there was a there was one kid, I saw another story actually, I think I sent you guys the article, you that did. this guy went to his accountant, he had 500 <laughs> pages, pages of a 1099B. His accountant bill might be more than the IRS charging. And I've been telling, you know, my, my kids are young, they're millennials, and, and their friends are doing this stuff. And I said, listen, you know, you gotta report these trades. They're trading in and out, because. It's been gamified. Robinhood right. did gamify this thing. And Nick, you were the first one of the first yeah. ones to say that. But they gamified where it's such. And then when you're not working or you're laid off or you're, I mean, you're sitting at home not doing anything. The gamification makes people feel that you're, you know, gambling with monopoly money and that, you know, well, you know, if you're in a taxable account, every time you do a trade, that's a taxable event. Right. It's not as if, you know, the gamification didn't also trigger notifications that every time you do a trade, like, hey, this might have some tax consequences. That would be something mm -hmm. beneficial to the mm -hmm. retail investors. Right. And that gets into the uh, whole argument. How much do these custodians... Right. Have responsibility. Like responsibility. Do they to need to guardrail investors? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think Robinhood is in trouble for what they've done and the, and the gamification of it. I mean, when you have confetti on your phone when you do a trade, obviously it's even happening to the big custodians. No, this I know. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a but then which you know, considered one of the one of the better ones. But Bill, what's interesting is that you know, and then Robinhood when they first start, I don't know if they're still doing this. They're like Netflix. You bought yep. this. How about this? Wouldn't a recommendation. Confetti. confetti would come out when you had your first trade. Right. Unbelievable. Yay. Retail investors are going to learn the hard way that so, 1099Bs ain't nothing to play this with. Is where obviously the $800,000 tax bill is going to be a little bit of an outlier. Not everybody's going to have this, but the entire situation is not. They're going to be, and it's happening right now. You see it on all these uh, financial planning forums that we frequent where more and more people, it's like, yeah, I have a client now that has a $40,000 liability right. to the IRS. Uh, and he had no idea. He didn't even make any money this year. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, you have to look at it that this kid is a $60,000 a year salary, which is a reasonable for a young guy. And I'm assuming he's young. I just, it's safe to assume that. But um, $800,000, he can't even go bankrupt because you can't bankrupt the IRS. Right. So his basically his life is probably over. I, I mean, the IRS is probably not going to negotiate. They can't set precedents because he's one of probably hundreds and hundreds of cases like this. There's there's a lot of good tax attorneys out there that are going to I come up with. I a don't way like to stuffed animals, Bill. I'm not into stuffed animals at all. I gotta say though, this gives advisors more impetus to educate institutional as well as retail investors and stress the importance of long-term investing. And they're blue and, pills for the impetus. And to ask an expert before you do stuff like this. All right, we're gonna come back. Wow, everybody's got their jokes. I didn't realize I should have written them all down. Uh, so we're gonna uh, come back. We have another segment. Uh, this Justin is gonna join us when we come back on the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN. 
1510 AM and 105.3 FM. You're listening to The Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is The Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is The Stock Doctor's Prescription. I am here with this just in, The Stock Doctor and... Uh, our megalennial coming up in just a few moments, our millennial moment. Uh, but first, we want to talk a little bit more about what we were talking about uh, going into the last break. Right. Now, we're talking about some of the consequences of these trades and the things which you need to think about when you're doing a lot of trades. Well, the experienced investor knows this. It's the inexperienced ones. Uh, you know that if you trade uh, the experienced ones, if you trade in a qualified or IRA or simple IRA or SEP IRA, that's tax deferred. You can trade to your heart's content and not have to worry about this. But what happened was when everybody opened up and there were millions and millions of Robinhood accounts opened up, they were taxable accounts because you, know, you, you can't go on margin in an IRA so, you, you know, a lot of these kids were saying, and that's that's deadly right there. If they had five thousand dollars, what you mean, I can use I can actually trade ten thousand dollars worth of stock. Yes, you can. But margin is a beautiful thing when it works. It's really bad when it doesn't work. And and these losses that and th- this guy actually had the gains because he had booked the losses. But, you know, you can you can carry forward. You can take three thousand dollars off uh, loss annually. You carry them forward if you have a bunch of them. And um, I just don't see how it's going to any resolution here. I, maybe if the IRS starts cutting deals, that's setting precedence. And I and I think that these these kids, because they thought they were smarter than the system, that they should be slapped around a little bit. So um, you know, a little I think, bit. I think that this IRS thing is hundred thousand dollars worth though. That's not that's not our problem. It's his no, problem. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I just think that you're an idiot if you're trading millions of dollars a day on thirty thousand dollars. Yes. Oh, I just mind boggling. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of mind boggling. Yes. By the way, Tesla. Uh, Tesla. You know, one of uh, it's a very highly uh, highly popular stock. I mean, never heard of it. Yeah, a little bit. We get these. Uh, should I own Tesla? Listen, Tesla ticker symbol TSLA. By the way, anything we say on this show, although quite intelligent. Um, do not take action. Do not. These are not buy and sell recommendations. These are truly just our opinions, our thoughts. And uh, if you'd like to talk to us and decide whether it is uh, appropriate for you, anything we talk about, we'd love to do that because that's what we do for a living. We are money managers and we're fee based asset management managers. And uh, we, we, you know, we can really custom design portfolios. We don't farm it out to third parties. We actually do it here in house. So you have access to the money manager. You can actually talk to us directly. Yes. And just call 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. So Tesla, who, you know, really uh, now everybody's doing EVs, electric, electric vehicles, but uh, I can't believe there's going to be a Hummer. Sorry. I know. Awful. The electric Hummer. Yep. That's incredible. But but Tesla produced, by the way, 180,000 cars in Q1, and they delivered 184,000 cars in Q1. Analysts are expecting 168,000. I think it's amazing that Tesla is now what a larger company than GM. Market cap. Chrysler and Ford. Market cap base, but sell a fraction of the cars. Right. A, a, a literal fraction of the cars. Yeah. Uh, stock is trading... Uh, in the high sixes, 690 or so. And just a disclosure, we do own some Tesla for clients that could assume the risk because it is an extremely aggressive stock. And the stock has been, uh, 
uh, it's been up and down 30-40% many many times oh here's the music first comes the music then the arms waving I see the arms waving Bill I don't know where you're looking. Bill. <laughs> Bill, you gotta do them okay, in time. Okay, you kid. Do them in time, Bill. There you go. It's time for Nikki Ward in her millennial moment. So corporate America is getting off the sidelines and uh, getting down and dirty in the latest battle of the culture war. So they're expressing their disapproval uh, of Georgia's new voting law, SB202. And... Currently, there are 361 bills in 47 state houses around the country that would restrict voting rights, most of which attempts to put limit, excuse me, limits on absentee votes. So on Friday, Major League Baseball pulled the 2021 All-Star Game and the MLB draft out of suburban Atlanta in response to this new voting law. And people aren't happy with the exception of Salesforce and Patagonia, prominent companies like Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola remain silent until after the bill's passage and are now Monday morning quarterbacking their disapproval. And it is a real bummer. I mean, the estimated lost economic impact of the decision to move out of Georgia is over $100 million, a tourism industry that's been beaten up. Sure. It's also pretty sad because of the fact that this year's All-Star Game is in memory and in honor of Hank Aaron, who spent 21 seasons in Atlanta, and he endured just a mountain load of racism throughout his career while he was chasing Babe Ruth's home run record. It's just, I don't know if it's corporate, you know, virtue signaling. I also think that corporations donate tons of money to our politics, and they finance it so they should get an opinion, right? Corporations are people, thanks to Citizens United. Or they're treated so in the eyes of the law. Yeah. I'm sure no one at this table has any opinions about cancel oh, I culture. Know, I, I know. I think I think it's obvious that there's a certain there's a certain bit of virtual signal signaling. You can't you can't deny that. I mean, between what we've heard recently with what Coca Cola is doing or expecting of their their employees to I I can't I remember. Mean, is was it the here? I, I I don't have the answers. Was it the right thing for because it is going to hurt the city of Atlanta and the surrounding, or actually it's the uh, Marietta area, right? Cobb County, right? So it's gonna it's gonna significantly hurt them. But it's not unprecedented in American sports. I oh, mean, no. think back 2017 when the NCAA as well as the NBA pulled events out of Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Because of a bill. I guess the question that I have on this, I might be the second most liberal person at the table. Lee. Um, Lee. Um, not me. <laughs> but I, I wonder when, when you don't give an opportunity for there to be change and you just punish whether or not you're accomplishing what your goal is. If what you say is there's no remedy for this, there's no way you can fix it, we're just, we're tired of your crap, we're taking our stuff and we're going. It seems definitely like a dramatic exit. Like, yeah. you know, the girlfriend slamming the door yeah. and breaking up. But I do think that something that could alleviate this whole is this virtue signaling would be put the full force of the Major League Baseball behind getting people registered to vote. Things that you're saying are restricting voting rights, expand them. Really put some action into it, not just words and not pulling an event, which they Major League Baseball is suffering no economic consequences None. for the decision. No, right. no, they're going to be fine. It's, it's the Unless city they of go Atlanta. To Milwaukee. 
It's Denver. Yeah, it's yeah Denver. if they went to Milwaukee, then <laughs> they'd be suffering some consequences. Or Baltimore. Yeah, well, if you go to Milwaukee, then you're still celebrating Hank Aaron because he played in ah, Milwaukee gotcha. and in yes, Atlanta. Yes, he did. So, I, but that would be a punishment. And that would be saying, you know what? We're here for Hank. Because <laughs> you let him go. And I think Hank had a lifetime batting average of 310. This is one of, he's probably right. I, I'm Lee, shocked that you don't know it. Well, no. Lee has this ability mm-hmm. to pull stats. lifetime stats yeah. out of Within 10 points either way, usually. Yes. With baseball. With baseball. Um, so anyway, Nikki, so. Something to keep well, an eye on. He's also good with the uh, Dolphins. Uh, how many Super Bowls again? For, oh, no. We'll <laughs> 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 <We'll> always <laughs> have 1972. You know. The Boston Red Sox win a World Series, and he or two or three. And he gets he gets these this giant head, you know. I mean the Patriots. You know? Yeah, I mean I'm as sick soon of Boston. As the curse, as soon as they broke the curse, Bill's head. The flood the floodgates just opened up with right. championships. Damn, we we took a page out of your book. Well, that was uh, Nikki Ward and her millennial moment. Thanks, Nick. Okay, another few seconds of uh, waving your arm. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Ha ha, ha ha. Right, now I, I know that you've decided on this before I got here, but without no, no, any no. opinions. She insisted, she insisted okay, on I this. Don't, I she don't think that's true. She loves the song. I, I'm reasonably sure. And it's not like a super millennial song either. Kind of It's is. what Lee thinks a millennial listens okay. to. Okay. It kind of is. I think. It speaking of millennials, though. Be. Speaking of millennials. Yes. Of course, GameStop. Anybody heard of that? Yes, I have heard of it. Heard of GameStop? Those damn millennials in their video games. Yeah. They and never go outside. Games. Go out and play. Um, now they're getting paid, you know, f- they're getting full rights to college for esports. And they're like, see, mom and dad. Yeah, you know somebody who won money on esports. I game. do and lost it. Yeah, well, but he made it, though. But he should have had us as his money manager. Yes, and he'd he be did. doing a lot better. Yes, he did. He should have. Um, GameStop, actually, they're doing, in my opinion, something brilliant. This is a stock that was at 20 bucks at the beginning of the year. Of course, well-documented, went to 450, now trading around the 180 and change. They are doing a secondary offering, Justin. They are issuing $1 billion worth of stock up for sale, about 350 million shares, and the use of proceeds to accelerate their e-commerce transformation and SG&A. I hate them so much. Capitalizing on it. I hate them so much. It, it's so crazy that this company, which by all rights should just have gone out of business, no, what's crazy is doing is a secondary offering. Somebody's going to buy the stock at this 180 range in a secondary offering. That's crazy. That, that is crazy. And if you're thinking about doing it, call call 888-855-285. or and let us explain to you why not. Call the suicide hotline. Oh, gee Take whiz. two and call us in the morning. <laughs> We're going to be right back with more of the stock doctor's prescription. Jared Bocart, the fiscal therapist, will come by and give more of his uh, A-plus advice uh, for uh, for teachers when we come back right here on the Stock Doctor's Prescription on KFNN Money Talks. Uh, and then there's numbers. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I am a million dollar Bill Keevan. Uh, this just in, Justin Kenny has just left the building. However, uh, Jared Bocard is here, the fiscal therapist. He's going to have his uh, A-plus investing method coming up in just a couple of minutes. 
Also with us, Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, and the Stock Doctor. Stock Doctor, we were um, you know going over some of the things which have happened. The S and P five hundred has set a another landmark. Yeah. It, well, it, it's a stone's throw away from forty one hundred. But here's what's a little disconcerting: at forty one hundred, it makes the index trading at greater than twenty times two thousand twenty two earnings. So it's it's a, a reasonably high valuation, and um, we're only three months into two thousand twenty one. So the the good news is. That at least in Q1, we've seen uh, an appreciation in the index, about, call it 5.8, 6% in the index, but earnings estimates have also increased by 6%. So it is like a lock and step together. We'll see what happens now. Of course, earnings, we'll start getting earnings reports that the big ones start next week. It used to be Alcoa. Remember, Bill? Alcoa was the first. Hey, hey. Not anymore. Now it's really the banks. So uh, all the banks, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells, City, the big boys. all the big boys are going to report earnings. And and what I wanted to do is credit you know, the credit suite. Yeah, <laughs> not earnings. <laughs> the loss. The losses. So I just want a couple things. Is that I um you know we've had some recent additions to our portfolios and we've added some PayPal to our portfolios. Again, these are not recommendations. These are literally ideas. We like them for specific reasons, but we don't know if they're suitable for you. So we've added some PayPal recently. It added a stock that I was a little nervous of first. I bought it because I think that the subscription basis on this company, and it's down from 171, got down to the 200-day moving average, around that 110, 112, uh, we bought some Peloton down there. And Bill, you wouldn't know what Peloton is. Oh, I know exactly what Peloton is. Something you it hang your clothes. A group on? of bicycles running down the street, screwing up traffic. And usually Lance Armstrong's in there somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, Peloton actually today had a had several upgrades. Believe it or not, and, and there's a lot of uh, upgrade on target prices. The stock was up. Now there was one downgrade on it, but the stock was up uh, yesterday five and change at uh, one fifteen and change. I mean that that's a, a good move, short term, but it's really bouncing off that fifty day moving average. What I what I'm missing here is I see some volume. Volume's critical. Uh, but there's also some other upgrade. We had a, a slight downgrade on Apple's price target from uh, Morgan Stanley, who's a, a big bull on, on Apple. Can, can I guess? What? They said, they originally said Apple will eventually make all of the money in the universe, and now they said 95% <laughs> of the money in the universe. Yeah, so they had to downgrade for that. <laughs> but uh, Peloton upgraded, Apple slight downgrade. You had, um, oh, Bank of America downgraded Credit Suisse. Smart. In turn, Credit Suisse downgraded bank. No, they didn't do that, but I was just saying. In turn, Credit Suisse <laughs> downgraded Credit Suisse. <laughs> but Credit Suisse says that BlackRock is their top pick. And um, I don't know if I'm following any, anything from Credit Suisse. <laughs> Evercore, this major, major research firm, uh, their top picks, Facebook, Amazon, and Uber. Any relation to the Evergreen? No. Oh. Not at all. <laughs> anyway, um, just so you folks know out there, we not only manage money for individuals and companies and retirement plans, but we also have a very large teacher and educator-based clients. And uh, we did this because Jared's mother was a teacher for many, many years, and he saw how screwed up their retirement plans are. So one of his missions when he entered this business was to really try and help the educators out there. So, And he's been doing a feature every week, the A-plus investment method for educators Jared, the yeah. fiscal therapist. So this is going to be number three. Um, it's going to be ignore the free pizza. 
A lot of salesmen, what? a lot of salesmen come in and they'll just give free pizza to try and get information, just usually email addresses and phone numbers from teachers. And then we'll promptly become telemarketers uh, for the next year or whenever they have a down moment uh, to try and sell you these products that are so subpar. Lee and I have gone over them. It's yeah. just, it's almost, it's astounding. It really is astounding well, at how, how bad some of these are. You use a really powerful word there. They are salesmen. They're they not fiduciaries, and that's that's the key here. And and whether you work with us or any other investment firm, please make sure they're a fiduciary. One thing you want to make sure they're a fiduciary, because if they're not a fiduciary, they are they are they, not obligated to work in your best interest. Exactly, they are not, and that means usually means that profits for them come first. Yeah, unfortunately, and it really it's sad because a lot of people that you see the word financial advisor and like oh they're all they're all the same. Like they're they're all going to work in my best interest. No. No, it's not. It's not the case, unfortunately, um, and that's what we're kind of trying to change and kind of bring into the teacher market. Just fiduciary management, yeah. fiduciary versus salesman. And and, and we actually can it's a work small, small movement. We can we can actually work. We don't have to do. They don't have to be in long term type annuity plays or anything. We can actually do mutual funds mm -hmm. for these educators that are completely liquid. Yeah, completely liquid in the within the four hundred three B. They're not ten, fifteen, fifteen, twenty year, twenty year markups right. or twenty year uh, lockup periods. And we manage them, and we, we're we're fiduciary. We manage them on a fee basis, so we're and we can we, we have no incentive other than to do well for the clients. We literally can tailor it, the portfolio to whatever risk uh, tolerances you have, and mm -hmm. uh, we have done that for many teachers so far, and we're trying to get as many as possible yep. um, because realistically, we won't see any change to this system until teachers themselves start demanding better for themselves. And the good news is we'll be, uh, we are uh, able to work with the teachers in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, which is great. And we'll be scheduling appointments uh, weeks in advance uh, because, you know, we are quite busy with that, but that's not only for, again, the educators, we do this for all of our clients. We are fiduciaries and in the fee-based asset management world. And Bill, you were with me, you know, decades ago. I was. <laughs> You know, we did this radio show together. We were doing fee-based asset management before really most people were. I mean, it was one of those things. And it's a tough it's a tough transition to do it. But we were doing fee-based asset management in the late 90s. Lee's the hipster of fee-based asset management. <laughs> I was doing it before it was cool. I was listening yes. to Maroon 5 before they got big. <laughs> well, it's Songs about Jane, though, is the best album. It the best interesting album, how things change. We started out doing fee-based asset management in the late 90s. At, at, at Schwab was our first right. custodian. And there was a commission for each trade. But oh, believe it or not, you millennials, you don't know what commissions are. Thanks, Robin Hood. Um, but it was a $49 commission back <laughs> oh. then. That's, an, that's astounding. Well, that's nothing compared to what people were paying because before fee base, everything was on a commission. You do a stock trade, hey, thanks for that 300 bucks. You do, so now- And then and, it was, and then before decimalization. Oh, yes. Yes. Decimalization, I, 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 I love fractions. I still like fractions. Better. I like fractions way better. Um, so then we, um, you know, we were saying, wow, that's a lot of money after you do some trades. So then we got involved with TD Ameritrade. And at that point, I think TD may have been $24, $25 a trade. Then everything gradually went down, $14.95, $12.95, $9.95, $5.95, and to Robinhood, thank you. Zero, and I think that really does benefit the investors. It truly does benefit investors, but I think that the free trading does come with a price when you're looking at the DIY people. It benefits them, but it also sets them up for unintended consequences. Yes. 
Right, because you don't know what you don't know. Right, and and that guy couldn't have done all those trades if he was paying fifty bucks a trade. Right, he just couldn't. He couldn't have. He exactly. couldn't have moved the money fast enough. He wouldn't have done it. Right, that's the thing. You wouldn't have done it. And you know, one thing that we try to do is we actually try to protect people against themselves because a lot of the clients we do get were doing it on their own. They were taking enormous risks, and it's one thing you, Mister Jones, taking risk with your own money. We can't do that. And nor would we want to. We don't want you to lose sleep. We want you to know that your money is in good hands and it is in objective hands. Something that's really tough when it's your money and you're managing yeah. it is you're just seeing it through your lens. Or it's the people that haven't even looked at what they have for years no, and years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. like exactly. 401ks and 403bs. But if there's if there's annuities in play here, there's a lot of things you can do with annuities. And we have found that there are first of all a lot of people are paying unnecessary rider fees for annuities Mm -hmm. we have found a way to eliminate those so there's things we can do if you have existing annuities out there let us look at them let's do we do portfolio reviews we do annuity reviews we're not going to charge you for it and we're going to help you because the bottom line is we want you to succeed and uh, maybe you'll do business with us at some point right and the industry has evolved so if we can tailor it to better fit your needs right now why not? So many different options. There are some great, great annuities out there. There are some really, really bad ones, unfortunately. They are. And then you, we see them all the time. All the I time. think last week we saw one where it, I think 1% cap. Right. It's just, well, yeah. What that means is, folks, that um, you have no downside on the index itself, but the most you can make is 1%. That's where we you saw are that. Not, you are not outpacing inflation at that point. And, and, and it's hard. To, if you don't know what you're looking for, you can't spot it. Right. So that's why you need to have need to get reviewed every once in a while. Yeah. Let, let the professionals, let us take a look at them. If, uh, and again, you know, no obligation. We're trying to help uh, Siler Wealth Management. And, you know, we are fiduciaries, but we can help you with your annuities and, and do the reviews on that. That's critical. And, and the financial planning side. Check out our website for more information, www.stockdr.com. Send us an email, feedback at stockdr.com. Again, that's feedback at stockdr.com or call 888-855-2855. Thanks for joining us this week for this week's Stock Doctor Prescription. Give us a call. Ask for anybody that you hear on the air, except for me. I'm never here. I'm Billy Dollar Bill Keevan. Thanks for listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio, KFNN, 1510 AM, 105.3 FM. Find out more about the Stock Doctor at StockDR.com or call 1-888-855-2855.